Dear listener, it's a great day that you choose to join me. This is Adventist All Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. This is your favorite new life program with interesting segments just for you. Part one will be having the family life segment by Lydia Aching. Today, she'll talk about going through marriage problems. Thereafter, we'll be having a Bible segment by Pastor Paul Wahonya. Today's topic is about sin of covetousness. Before that, here's a song, Gadabu Ya Mungu by Akesha Singers. Tu 
that you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Lydia Aching. Welcome, sis. Dear listener, welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Aching. Today we're going to talk about going through marriage problems. What marriage doesn't encounter problems of some kind as you try to fit your lives together to cleave, as the Bible tells us to do? Cleaving isn't just referring to sexual intimacy. It also refers to being partners heading together down the same path of life. It doesn't always mean you will think alike, but it does mean that you will work to think together. But what do we do when we hit a snag in the road and our differences bring us to the point of clashing with each other? How do we get past that type of situation? How can we work to improve our marriages so that our problems don't overtake us? Certainly, God wouldn't want us to stay in a marriage where our problems are consuming our relationship with each other. He wouldn't want us to stay in a marriage where we're both totally unhappy with each other. We've had that said over and over again. And we understand the pain behind those statements. But the question we'd like to pose to you is, are your problems bigger than your God? Is your God so small that he can't help you to get beyond them? Certainly, it takes two people who are cooperating with each other to make a marriage a strong, healthy, and a good one. But prayerfully consider something that author Gary Thomas said in his book, Sacred Marriage. He wrote, There's a deeper question that needs to be addressed beyond how we can improve our marriage. What if God didn't design marriage to be easier? What if God had an end in mind that went beyond our happiness, our comfort, and our desire to be infatuated and happy as if the world were a perfect place? What if God designed marriage to make us holy more than to make us happy? It's something to think about, isn't it? Most of us back away from problems and see them as something to avoid to get around somehow. 
But what if we saw them as opportunities to know our God better and asked him to help us to learn something positive about ourselves, each other, and his kingdom work? A principle that applies to this is something that author Leslie Vernick says in her book, How to Act Right When Your Spouse Acts Wrong. She wrote, Often in difficult times we pray for relief instead of asking God to help us practice the very qualities he seeks to develop in us. God told the prophet Ezekiel, My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to listen to your words, but they do not put them into practice. With their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words but do not put them into practice. That's in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31 to 32. We must ask ourselves, are we looking for a God who just sings love songs to our heart? When he asks us to put his harder truths into practice, do we conveniently ignore him? Jesus, too, taught the importance of practicing what he teaches us. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not, and do, not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus both warned us and encouraged us that if we make it our practice to faithfully apply ourselves to the things he teaches us, then we will have a foundation when difficulties come. If not, we will be swept away. We pray that none of your marriages get swept away because you didn't apply God's word, his teachings to your lives and how you will live with each other in your marital relationship. Some of you are in abusive situations. We want you to know that our hearts cry for you. They truly do. And we can only imagine how much this especially saddens God's heart because he never meant for any of us to be abused. That's not why God created marriage. If you are in that kind of situation, please find ways to protect yourself from the abuse. God can be a very present help in a time of need. Don't stop reaching out to him and receiving the help he can give and show you. But also recognize that it can come to you in ways that are not at first apparent. Keep praying and looking. However, beyond that type of situation and even in spite of that situation, God can redeem every heart and problem we encounter, both within our marriage and outside. As Leslie Vanik also said, God knows our real needs, not just our felt needs. When our spouse acts wrong, God will use the resulting injury, whether big or small, to teach us, to train us, to mold us, and to break us in order that we might become a more perfect representative of him to the world and to our spouse. We pray that you will look beyond your immediate problems and ask God, what good can come out of this? What can I learn from this that will help in your kingdom work somehow? What can I do that will best help my spouse and my marriage so that this problem doesn't sweep us away? Help me to look at this through your eyes instead of my short-sighted ones. Teach us, train us, mold us, and yes, even break us if that is what it takes to help us to get beyond this situation to become all you created us to be and strengthen and help us to be obedient in this process. Pray as the psalmist, 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We pray that God will help you so you can make your marriage the best it can be, a reflection of God's heart and a witness to everyone in your life that the God of love is alive and working in your life in miraculous ways. We pray that as God sees how you interact with your spouse, they will be attracted to our God and want to know him better as a result. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. that you've enjoyed that family life segment this is a new life program coming to you from adventist already the voice of hope do not forget to send us your thoughts about this program to the producer adventist already p.o box 42276.00100 nairobi kenya our email address is awrnairobi at eku.adventist.org let us now hear from makesha singers with the song sina hofu
Thank you once again for staying tuned to our station. It is time for the Bible segment. Pastor Honya, welcome and bless us with the word. Dear listener, let us consider the sin of covetousness today. The warning that we are given in Luke 12 verse 15 is terse and clear. Jesus says, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. A warning that comes after someone in the crowd Jesus was addressing shot up and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. This was quite a genuine request, yet Jesus does not seem to intervene. Instead, he proceeds to address the real issue that plagued this man's life, and that is the sin of covetousness. Covetousness, my dear listener, may be defined as undue affection for the material things of life, especially those things belonging to someone else. The man addressing Christ did not actually need more riches. What he needed was to have covetousness erased from his heart, after which riches would be of little concern to him. With this in mind, Christ spoke the parable of the rich man whose ground yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? And he said to himself, I will do this, I will pull down my barns and build greater ones, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this very night your soul will be required of you. Then Whose will those things be which you have provided? And Jesus concludes by saying, So it is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Dear friend, I recently read a story entitled Mansions, in which a millionaire is said to have dreamed of going to heaven. On arrival, he asked to be given his mansion. He anticipated having one of the finest homes in the holy city. But to his amazement, he found that his poverty-stricken gardener had a dazzling home awaiting him, while he himself had but a humble cottage. When the millionaire asked for an explanation of what happened to him to be a mistake, he was told that the heavenly mansions are built with whatever is sent in advance to the kingdom of God. The poor gardener had sacrificed to send all he possibly could, but the rich man had spent his money on his own glory 
and fame. Covetousness, my dear friend, had been a part of his life here on earth. He was not rich toward God. Dear friend, covetousness is the cause of many of the world's insoluble problems. It is the sin which causes civil strife within nations. It is the sin which leads to international conflicts. It is the sin which leads some employers to exploit their employees. It is the sin that leads one group of interests to secure legislation favorable to it without no concern whatsoever as to how such legislation will affect other groups in the society. This is the sin that leads a nation to impose its will upon other people irrespective of the desire or best interest of the people concerned. It is the very sin, my listener, that often leads to broken homes, to juvenile delinquency, and to numerous crimes. Therefore today Jesus is giving you a warning and he is telling you, dear listener, beware of covetousness. And when Jesus counsels you to beware of covetousness, I want to assure you, he loves you. He wants you to live a better life. He wants you to be a child of God who can live a life that is rich towards God so that you can live a bountiful life here on earth as you prepare your life for eternity. So may God help you, dear listener, that you will be wary of anything that may cause covetousness in your life, that you will be rich toward your God. May God bless you today. We are grateful for the time you've accorded us today. Let us meet right here at Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Don't forget to send us your views and comments to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 422-76-00-100-Nairobi, Kenya. You can also email us at awrnairobi at ek.adventist.org. I have been a presenter, Sambal Mang. Until then, stay safe, stay blessed.